In most all of our high school biology classes, we're being taught that we as human beings are a part of the animal kingdom. And yes, we are at the highest order of that animal kingdom, but nonetheless, we are still just an animal. But is that so? Is that so? Are we that simple of a creature? Just because we share some similarities in our DNA, does that reduce us down to the same level as an animal? And yes, there have been many arguments and assertions about such things as this over many centuries. But there's one thing that we do know for sure. We human beings have some attributes that really do differentiate us from all those other creatures that we call animals. In the first chapter of the book of Genesis, we're told that during those first days of creation, after God had created all of the various kinds of animals, that he also then created mankind, a man and a woman. And there in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, we read that God very intentionally created the man and the woman in a very special way. That he created the man and the woman in his own image. And that's a very important distinction that needs to be clearly understood. Else we'll miss out on a very important understanding about ourselves. Listen to these words. Verse 26, Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. These words tell us something about mankind that are not said about any of the other creatures. Here we're clearly told that we, mankind, men and women, were created in the image of God. Like God in most ways, not as He is. He is God and we are not gods. But we are like Him. We are like Him with many, many of His ways and His attributes and characteristics. And there are many things that can be said and understood about that description. The image of God. But for our instruction today, may we consider just one of those attributes of God's image that can be said of you and me, for all mankind. It's an attribute that clearly sets us apart from the animals. By our being made in His image, we human beings are able to think. We're able to consider and to rationalize and to make choices. And of utmost importance, we are able to make moral choices. Moral choices. Choices that are of an eternal nature. Choices that have eternal consequences. And that's what the Lord Jesus is teaching us about here in today's scripture passage. Listen to these words beginning in verse 8 of Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now these words speak clearly about choices. Moral choices. Choices that only a rational 
human mind is able to make. Choices that have eternal consequences. Choices that carry with them a stern warning. A warning about making choices that are wrong. And we need to take heed. And further, it's also as the words of John chapter 3 warn us. That we can make eternal choices even when we don't verbalize those choices. Listen to these words. John chapter 3 beginning in verse 18. Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The simple truth that are given there in those words of John chapter 3, they clearly tell us that those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus are already denying him, that which he warned about in the verses that I read just a moment ago. Those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus are already denying him simply by their unbelief. And every unbeliever needs to take warning. But folks, listen. Unfortunately, it's also true that it's not only unbelievers who deny the Lord Jesus. Even we who have Christ as our Savior, we can deny him. And we'll do it often without even realizing that we're doing it. We may not want to deny him, but we'll do it without even knowing that we're doing it. Implicit within those words of the Lord Jesus is a warning that we really must never permit unguarded thoughts and conversations and behaviors to take place. That we're to always take great care being intentional in all of the decisions that we make. To intentionally choose the ways of Christ in all that we think and do. Sadly, sadly too often, Within those crucial moments of choice, our thoughts and our intentions can become confused. And we can make choices that we should not make. Choices that have far-ranging and eternal consequences that we didn't intend. And we have only to look back at the naive choices that were made by our first parents, Adam and Eve. During those first beginning moments of time, they were not aware that the choices that they would make would prove fatal. And not only to their bodies, but also and especially to their souls. And then also, and tragically so, even fatal, listen, even fatal to all of the souls of all men and women throughout all of time. But it wasn't as if they hadn't been warned. Yes, they had been warned about those things. Even though Adam and Eve were completely innocent and pure in their character, God knew that there would come a time when they would be compelled to make moral choices. Moral choices. The choice between right and wrong, good and evil, between obedience and disobedience. The choice to obey Him or to deny Him and to deny His Lordship over them. So He gave them a clear command, warning them, about making wrong choices. He said in Genesis chapter 2, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. This warning and command is clear. 
They could not have had any problem understanding the meaning of these words that God spoke to them. And they should not have had any problem with understanding the consequences. However, along with all the many other attributes that God had built into men and women was this mysterious attribute of free will. Free will. And if anyone has ever had a free will in all of time, Adam and Eve did in those beginning moments. And with that attribute of free will, a powerful and overwhelming force rose up within them. And especially so as Satan added his beguiling temptation to the mix. Listen again to this first command of God. And note also that these words have a very similar ring to the ones that Jesus spoke to us in the passage for today. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Because of the built-in presence of free will within the souls of men and women, this and most every other command of God has inherent within it the element of choice, of choice. The opportunity to choose, to accept, or to deny the person and the authority of God. And it was a choice that was going to be made in favor of their own desires. Now sometime later on, after having received this command from God, Eve was presented with that opportunity to make that choice that God had warned about. Satan cleverly beguiled her with what seems on the surface to be reasonable choices. And beguiled is a very appropriate word because it involves confusion of the mind, misdirection. In her confusion, Eve didn't comprehend the full extent of her actions. That yes, on the surface, some of the things this strange fruit had to offer appeared to be good. But things are not always the way they appear to be. Listen carefully to those words there in Genesis chapter 3. And listen, please do take these to heart. Because such beguiling takes place on a regular basis within each of us every day and all through our day. Listen to these words. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw then that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Folks, surface words and behaviors are seldom ever taken at face value. They should not be taken at face value. Hidden beneath the surface are almost always other deeper motivations and desires. 
And that's so obviously the circumstance with this choice that Adam and Eve were making concerning God. Here the surface choice and decision was to simply enjoy some fruit and at the same time become more knowledgeable. Now in today's modern manner of speaking, we would call that kind of decision a win-win. There's another catchy phrase that's used, that it's a no-brainer. To enjoy good fruit and at the same time to get knowledge, who wouldn't make that kind of decision? So why not do it? Logic would say that it would be okay. Enjoy some good fruit and at the same time gain knowledge. But folks, listen. The real choice and the real decision lay below the surface. The real choice was whether or not to obey a command given by God, to honor and to respect and to obey Him and His authority, or to instead reject Him and deny Him and His commands and His authority in favor of their own. And while, yes, Satan's words were beguiling, the choice that Adam and Eve made was ultimately their own. And in their choice, they rejected God and they denied His authority over them. How do we know that is what took place? How do we know that the choice was ultimately intentional and not just a mistake that they made during a moment of confusion? We're told in 1 Timothy 2, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now while, yes, Eve was far more deceived by Satan's beguiling, Adam was not. He was not. His involvement was intentional. And with the choices that they made, they did as Jesus warns us about here in today's passage. They both denied God and they fell into transgression and God held them both accountable. But unfortunately, unfortunately, their transgression didn't end there. It became a part of their basic character. And it would be passed on through their DNA to every man, woman, and child that would ever be born on this earth, bringing a plague upon the hearts and souls of all mankind. And so then, beginning there with Adam and Eve, throughout all of time since, men and women have been making these same kinds of moral choices. And yes, like Adam and Eve, the surface reasons for making the decisions that we make, they might seem to be innocent enough. But the underlying reasons are usually moral ones. The kind of choice that always inevitably involves rejecting and denying God and His authority over us. For you and me, as we live within this culture that surrounds us each day, we seem to be caught in a the rush of a crowd, all moving in the same direction along a broad path, a path that the Lord tells us leads to destruction. And the crowd that we're caught up in earnestly believes in the mandates of this work-driven, success-oriented, ambitious lifestyle that's measured by standards that are not in these scriptures. Its measurements are found in the clothes that we wear and the size and the location of our homes and in the entertainment that we enjoy and on and on. And as part of that crowd, we'll do and go to any lengths to reach for and to possess any and all of those things. It's part of our nature. In this driven culture that we live in, there's very little room left 
for the Lord and for his commands and for his righteousness. Very little room left for the God who saved us from our sins. I know the average person doesn't deny the Lord Jesus by overtly shaking their fist in the Lord's face and saying, I don't believe in you. They instead deny him by simply turning their heads, turning their backs, and by their actions say to him, you don't really matter to me. You don't really matter to me. You don't have a place in my life, in my behaviors, in my decisions. Folks, those thoughts remind me of one of the warnings that's given to one of the churches in the book of Revelation, the church at Laodicea. Listen to these words. The Lord says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. But do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? This warning, this warning is to people much like you and me and our friends and our neighbors. Here in the South, many, many of us are churchgoers, sitting in pews every Sunday, listening to the preacher preach, never openly and intentionally rejecting God and His authority over them. But within their hearts, within their hearts, this is about all that they do. They don't openly reject God. They just do much like the Lord Jesus spoke about here. They're lukewarm in their love and in their zeal and in their diligence towards Him. And folks, listen, God really will not accept such a mediocre kind of relationship. In His admonition to us concerning faith, He said to us in Hebrews chapter 11, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and listen, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Did you note those words? Who diligently seek him. Not lukewarm, not half-hearted, not liberal theology, but diligence. Diligence. To those who are lukewarm and not diligent, he will vomit them out of his mouth. But to those who diligently seek him, he'll give great rewards. Folks, as a loving father to my own children, I must tell you that when I see a lukewarm, half-hearted response of love toward me, it's heartbreaking. It's saddening. It doesn't anger me, but it does sadden me and it grieves me. It even breaks my heart. And so it is with God, our Father. In another place in Scripture, we're told about the wrath of God. And yes, for those who fully deny the Lord Jesus and refuse to receive Him as Savior and Lord, His wrath surely will come. But thankfully, thankfully for those of us who have received Christ as our Savior, our denial and our rejection of Him does not immediately bring on His wrath because He still loves us and He is merciful. And as a loving father, God is still at work to reclaim us from that lukewarm condition. He is still our loving father, waiting in that doorway, looking out into the distance for the prodigal son or daughter to return to him. 
And in response to His love, you and I really must truly be as that prodigal son did. We need to be willing to turn from those wrong choices and begin to make right choices. We need to turn from our intentional and unintentional habit of making choices that reject and deny Him and His authority and Lordship over us. And I use these words intentional and unintentional because we, just like Eve, just like Eve, so easily get confused and beguiled by our surface understanding of a matter. We see things that seem good to us. And on the surface, they may be good. But underneath, they're fraught with all sorts of possibilities of corruption. Certain jobs that we might desire to have. Certain purchases that we might make. Certain relationships that we might develop. And on and on. We don't seem to be able to think past the end of our nose when a co-worker of the opposite sex starts to pay attention to us. And without realizing what's taking place, we find ourselves attracted to them. Or in our quest for personal enjoyment, we buy a new house or a new car or a new truck only to find that later on we have encumbered our finances so much to the point that both mom and dad then have to go out and work, leaving the children to raise and to parent and to discipline themselves. And we might argue, but what is the sin in wanting a better provision for our family? It's similar to what Eve might have thought at that moment. It's just some fruit, and it'll make me more knowledgeable. So what is the sin in it? And again, for us, what is the sin in wanting a better provision for our family? And perhaps none. Perhaps none. But an underlying sin can be the same as was committed there by Adam and Eve. And it's present within these words of the Lord Jesus in our passage today, where he says to us, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Folks, in these words, Jesus is telling us that within everything that we think and say and do, we are in some way confessing him or we're denying him. Let me say that again. Within most everything that we think and say and do, we are in some way confessing him or we're denying him. And within our fast-paced modern lifestyle, we really do need to be so very careful and very intentional. We need to intentionally confess the Lord Jesus within everything. Everything that we think and say and do. Within every attitude that we have. Within every behavior. Every response that we make to someone who we encounter We need to be careful with our lifestyles, not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who are watching. Else we might find ourselves drifting into a condition of where we have truly denied the Lord. And as with those people of Laodicea, we may get so busy with all of our involvements that there's not much left for the Lord and we become lukewarm towards him. When we do not intentionally seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
We really are in danger of doing exactly as Jesus is warning about in these words. We're rejecting God and we're rejecting his lordship over us. Listen to these words again and we'll close. I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, too often we are ignorant children. We don't seem to know that that next step may put us in danger. That next decision, that next choice. Holy Spirit, please fill our hearts, fill our minds. Help us to make intentional decisions to obey you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.